This is the Unearthing Art Podcast with Michelle Luminato and Beck Lee, where we dig into the messy reality of making art that matters, raw and real conversations about being an artist, navigating the creative process, and expressing our honest and sometimes weird selves. Today, Michelle, I thought we could wade into the murky and deep waters of productivity. I imagine that people are aware. I find it hard to imagine that people aren't aware because I've done a lot of reading in this area over the last 10 years. But there's a whole world of what some people call productivity porn, Mm. (laughs) meaning that there's a lot of articles out there around how in our fast-paced modern life, how we do life hacks and how we use our time better and how we cram more in so that we can be as productive as possible. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe that's changed a little bit in the last couple of years because of everything that's happened. And people have been talking a little bit more about slowing down and quality of life stuff. But still, we have a really strong ethic in our culture, I think, around how do we be as productive as possible and I know that's something that people looking for support around their art practice Mm -hmm. it's one of the big things they want isn't it it's tricky it's a tricky subject because life is complicated full of different things outside of the art practice that are I don't know if distractions is the right word for your family life but there is family life there's work there's all the things all the way to going to the grocery store And what I've realized is life can easily slip away and you can not get into the studio pretty quickly in my own experience. I do get asked, how how is it that you do what you're doing and all the different things? And I think that for me, it's finding a way to balance my life and to prioritize it in a way that allows me to sneak studio time. Could be an hour, Mm. could be you know, 10 minutes just to look at something. I also find that sometimes I'll just put paintings in my house and look at them. And that's kind of subconscious studio time where I'm just looking. Mm, Living with the work while you're doing. Yeah. So the work's existing and happening in the midst of those other things. It's kind of combining it. it. For me, it's combining. And it's just one of those things that I can get more done that way, but not in a way that disrupts everything. But I have learn to order online for groceries instead of spend an extra hour a week going and picking out the groceries. And so I've been doing things that allow me to free up some time, things that I don't really like doing anyway. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. it is doing a few of those things. But I think the other thing too is for me going into the studio, even if it's just making random things, nothing I do in the studio feels like a complete waste of time. Sometimes I feel like, oh, that's not what I wanted But I think when I have those experiences, it brings me closer to what I want because it's just that creative energy is passing through my skin and my bones and pouring out onto something, you know? (laughs) Well, that does sound like fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, isn't it? The idea that any time in the studio could be wasted, it speaks to a broader pressure Mm. that we have, this expectation that somehow we need to optimize every moment of time. And the fact that you're saying it doesn't feel wasted, it says that you view your studio time as a special island Mm -hmm. to be considered separate to those 
things you have to do. Mm-hmm. It's not like a to-do that you check off that you're saying, well, the quicker I can get this done. No, this is the island. I'm going to sneak away to it and hopefully nobody wants me for a while so that I can stay longer. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And so there is a discipline to it, but I don't think of it as I'm disciplined. It's an escape for me. And whatever that output is, is just part of that flow. I definitely do a bit of time blocking in the sense of if I know I've got some free time that could be really good prime studio time. I try to work that around and even the family is cooperative with that for the most part. They have lived with me long enough to know that that's definitely just a way to have a whole happy person. You know, I think that for me, it's a part of my whole well-being as well. I know that Mm. when I'm not painting, I definitely feel untethered. I feel a little grumpy and not satisfied. So for me knowing that that's like going for walks is healthy eating healthy food is healthy for me being in the studio is a healthy practice for my mind keeps me in a happy place Mm. it strikes me the difference in um something that you're doing that you're really drawn Mm -hmm. to versus something where you're feeling a level of guilt Mm. about somehow not meeting a standard of how much you should be doing it because on one hand yes sometimes you have to schedule things in a calendar because you have a lot of competing things and you have to take yourself in hand a little bit and say what what are these things are Mm non-negotiable and then to have a second look and say is it really Mm non-negotiable or is it just that I don't want to disappoint someone and in the scheme of my whole life and the time I have Mm -hmm. available, what am I going to prioritize? So there's a practical thing, like you're saying, of scheduling things in a calendar. But there's also the mindset thing, I think, which is that if you don't have a great relationship, it's like human relationships. If it's a crappy relationship where you're not enjoying it and you're not feeling great about it, it's probably going to be something you'd rather put off yes. and not dive into versus a really exciting affair that you can't wait to <laughs> sneak away to and just That's like, right. have time. That's why I think if I was painting things that I was doing for other people's pleasure, like doing things that other people say, oh, you know, I remember one time someone asked if they could have me commission a painting, a geometric painting, and they were like, can I get a palm tree in that? Um, that's, that's not really what I do. So I, I opted out. That would have been really difficult for me to get in the studio for that. And that's where the resistance, I think, can come up is if we're not really that connected to what we're doing or mm. we haven't looked at it in a way that we're that inspired by yet. Because I have had times where I'm not that inspired. So at that point, more digging into those you know, deeper questions so that I can get excited about those things. But yeah, yeah, when someone says do a palm tree back in the day, I may have painted it for money, but there's no money that would pay me now for that. I like to make art that I have fun with. It's just me and art. There's no pressure of trying to perform. And the other thing is art and being an artist in our studio, it's not like a job where you show up. I think we've talked about this before, Beck, where you don't clock your hours and you're like, tick, you get a gold star because you showed up it you're only competing with yourself so if you put that pressure on it's just you putting that pressure on really deadlines definitely can add pressure that can fuel some of us it can also make others 
feel a bit squirmy about that. I do get squirmy, but my husband swears that I perform well under deadlines. So I think for me, goals are important too. That keeps me on track. That's really interesting. I think there's an intermingling of hard skills, I guess they Mm -hmm. call them, like practical skills and then soft skills. Hard skills meaning like in the real world, it's scheduling and setting deadlines Mm -hmm. and practical stuff like that. And then the soft stuff, which is like the mindset and how do you feel about that and getting your head right about Mm -hmm. your attitude, how to align yourself with, with what you're doing. And I have this really contrary relationship with deadlines because on one hand, especially if you've committed in a way maybe to someone else or even to a certain date, it really kicks in that, you know, I want to work at that. But then on the other hand, I can suddenly go be completely contrary and rebel against mm-hmm. specific structures and deadlines. Like, who are you to tell me that I'm going <laughs> to go into the studio every day from 9 till 12? Like, what the hell? Right. Um, I hear you. I'm a rebel at heart, too. So that that's why I changed the rules. I'm like, I'm going to go in at 7 tonight. I'm going to break the rules. I think that it's important to remember, like, you're in charge. You get to make mm. up the rules, even if it is a deadline. Okay, well... Who says I can't paint on Sundays? I think we make up Mm. these rules and then we feel like we have to stick to these rules. And Mm -hmm. as artists and as entrepreneurial artists, it even gets more complicated because you have to make up a lot of those rules, but you can adjust to fit your lifestyle. But I think that taking the pressure off is really important. Mm -hmm. And I think prioritizing is another piece to that puzzle. And that's why I go back to try to visualize what I want for that year at minimum. I do tend to think longer term than that, but I do like to think about what's my goals for the year and how can that influence my decisions that I make each day. So it gets intimidating Mm -hmm. to think about the big goals, but if I can break it down and what would be the one thing that I could do today that would move me forward, even if it's a little step, And, and do it in a way that doesn't put pressure on me, but inspires me. Yes. So in terms of goal setting, that's certainly one of the big sections in the productivity yes, world, it isn't is. it? There is so much out there, people offering systems around yearly reviews and what kind of questions they ask themselves, how they set up their goals for the year. It can be really powerful to work out what kind of timing works for you, what makes sense for you in terms of your own life and what makes sense in terms of what works Mm -hmm. for you at a heart level. For me in my life, I do have an ongoing illness that I manage and it involves a regular treatment schedule. And so I have this fairly predictable cycle of times when I'm more likely Mm -hmm. to be higher energy Mm -hmm. and times when I'm more likely to be feeling more tired, a bit more foggy or fatigued, and also accounting for sometimes it isn't a schedule, it just comes up. And then over the course of the year, there's also a seasonal thing. I'm a real winter girl. I love to be in the cooler climate. I find that's, I feel physically better at those times. And then here in Brisbane, summer can be... We need we need to <laughs> trade locations. I'm totally the opposite. I'm so productive in the summer and in winter, I'm like, Freezing, But knowing that about ourselves, I think, is really important. Yeah, so we're not robots. So we're not all going to be operating at a particular Mm -hmm. set 
level 100% of the time, like a dead straight line through the year, through the day, no, absolutely not. through the month, whatever. So in terms then of goal setting, mm-hmm. vision setting, thinking about our schedules, I learned that it's really important to take that into account because if you set goals and if you set schedules as though that doesn't exist yeah then at some parts of that you're going to be really disappointed with yourself totally because you're going to have those life events you're going to have just the normal ebbs and flows of your energy and I mean I'm talking about managing energy from a health point of view which different people have but then add to that like if you have a family kids school holidays I've completely deleted off the two weeks kids have been home for holidays because when that happens I just am less productive and I know that now and so I don't plan I have made the mistake of trying to work through that and it just it wasn't good for any of us to do that so I feel the same way I think that's really important to be aware of what are those scheduled times that you can't be as productive or just in the studio you know in the way Mm. that gives you a free flow because I think the thing that I've discovered is having a source of it being free flowing so that Mm -hmm. it's not such a stop and start I think one of the things that happens early on in the painting process or as we become painters or artists is that we have these starts and stops where we we get going and then we stop and then we've forgotten everything of like where am I what am I doing and so <laughs> I like to keep right. a free flow yeah. so that I don't have this, have that really happen so a bit of continuity whether it's a daily thing or at least every second day however it works for you to feel like that's enough to keep your hand in mm-hmm. And making sure that you get the chance to do that, even if it is half an hour, even if it is go in and move move your paint stuff around a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, tidy yeah. up a bit. Look at images. I mean, it just can be numerous things. It doesn't have to be make a finished painting at all. In fact, I think that that's way too much pressure. There's just different kinds of ways of using that studio time and I'm really open to that sometimes I go into the studio and I think I have a plan and then in the studio I'm like oh I guess I'm doing this today instead because I think creative flow is called flow for a reason it sometimes just comes in a way that Mm. if we can be open to it and be flexible with it I think it's less resistant as well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. being open to how creativity shows up is part of the Mm. process and that goes into a little bit more about what is how do we get our workflow because we as individuals have different workflows and different ways that we do things part of that process to be productive is to be open to what kind of workflow makes sense for who you are as a person as well and that works on multiple levels so we were talking about at one time you might have put pressure on yourself to maintain this studio schedule even though it's school holidays because I'm a serious Mm -hmm. artist and I'm going to do it but all you're doing is creating pressure that makes the experience of it unpleasant and you're not going to want to show up and it's interesting I think in terms of understanding the world around us but also internally what works for us on a daily basis as well on a session by session basis some people seem to love knowing that they've got a whole day in the studio and they can Mm -hmm. go in there and spend four hours five hours whatever it is and I am definitely a dip in dip out kind of girl Mm -hmm. I I do enjoy getting involved and drawn into it but even if I'm getting drawn into it I notice that at about 
I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours, that my attention Mm -hmm. starts to get a bit scattered. And if I push myself to stay at the task, as it were, then again, you're moving into a kind of... um, Forcing it. Yeah, when you're forcing it, you're reinforcing the idea that it's going to be an unpleasant experience to come back to. Absolutely. And I like to leave on a cliffhanger. (laughs) So I like to leave and depends on what time of season I'm in. Right now, I don't have a lot of extra time in the studio to create these cliffhanger moments. But when I'm really more in that earlier process, when it's like now I'm here because I have to be here, then I just Mm. think, well, what kind of weird mess could I make right now? Is there any kind of experiment that I can do that'll just give me a little bit of questions that I could answer and then tomorrow I'll come back and have something to look at? I like to give myself something to look at for when I get back into the studio, especially larger pieces that take longer. Sometimes it gets into the, oh, now I have to do this painting, right? Because you've committed. Mm, But when I get, you know, a little bit like, nah, I'm kind of over this painting today. I think I'm going to go and make a big mess, even if it's just for half an hour or an hour. And it could be experimenting with a new technique or just trying something, just being a bit adventurous. And usually Mm -hmm. I just, as a warning, like a lot of times they don't work. So it's not something that I always have high expectations for either, but that ends Mm -hmm. it on a fun note as well as making progress in an unplanned way that I think adds a little excitement to the studio for me anyway. So when you come back the next day, you've got something to start on that's already in motion and that can be really nice if you're feeling a bit overwhelmed or a bit um, intimidated. Mm. So if you're feeling a bit intimidated by the idea of heading into the studio, you can build up in your mind, okay, I've got three hours ahead of me. I need to get into the studio and I need to start making the most of this time. And I think the more pressured you are with other responsibilities, some the more pressure that can feel like. Mm -hmm. For me, I like to do things where, well, first of all, you get in there and you (laughs) tidy up the terrible mess that you left from the last time so you can start. I I like that as part of the ritual. I do this thing where I sweep the floor every time and it's just this thing that I like to do and feels good. And you're getting into the space Mm -hmm. and you're starting to occupy the space. And having things like, I like working with tissue papers and there's a bit of prep associated Mm -hmm. with that and sometimes other people will gesso their canvases so if you have things that require no creative input Mm -hmm. but your hands moving you're moving stuff around you're working with the materials and then before you know it this is sort of fun I know it's funny how that works because that's where again I think it's fun because there's no pressure it's Mm -hmm. it's only not fun when we put pressure on ourselves and possibly have unrealistic expectations. Managing expectations is also part of the process. I think people, and I'm saying this from my own experience, we expect our art to do too much too soon. We expect too much Mm. from it, where if we could just be a little bit more gentle and curious with it and patient with it, Mm. it, it gives back a whole lot more. I don't really beat myself up as much about not you know if I say okay I'm gonna have these paintings done this week and it doesn't happen because life gets in the way things get busy maybe the painting isn't cooperating because I can't see it the way I, I want to see it yeah like the work just, just doesn't go that happens the way. I I really go with the flow now so I don't 
put the pressure of, well, I told everyone on Instagram that the paintings are going to be available. Now, you know, like, oh, well, no one remembers that stuff. They really don't. No. If you give yourself a week, um, give yourself months. I mean, I've, I'm just thinking of, yeah. I'm, I'm giggling because I'm thinking of all the times we've said something on Instagram, something's coming tomorrow or next week, you know, <laughs> yeah. paintings, blog posts, newsletters, yes. mailing it's lists. Coming. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. If that was all added up, everything around the world, yes. <laughs> a number of times, we'd be in a lot of trouble. We would. So the expectations and perceptions as well, because. We can have this idea that professional artists, really (laughs) successful artists, they, first of all, they're doing heaps of hours in the studio. So we need to be doing heaps of hours in the studio. And also every time they go into the studio, they're producing these wonderful finished paintings, which we see from the outside. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because in a art group that I've been in, we had a bit of a discussion where someone said, exactly how many hours are you getting in the studio and not posting on Instagram or or doing admin stuff, but studio time. Mm -hmm. And it was really fascinating because overall it's a lot less than we all think each other are doing. Mm -hmm. On average, and this included people who are, for all intents and purposes, full-time working artists, Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. saying six, eight, ten hours Mm -hmm. a week and then a few 12 to 15 hours and then a very few 20 hours was top it's it's definitely not a nine to five job i can verify Mm -hmm. that one for sure i definitely have some artist friends who do about 20 hours a week and they'll do half days i have had times where it's like that but it's not always Mm -hmm. like that it really depends the time of year what's happening with the kids like there's all these things that come into play and i think for me to have a productive happy time in the studio i just have to again go with the flow if i don't get in 20 hours and sometimes 20 hours it's it, physically it's a lot painting especially bigger work it's quite physical work mm. so i know that days where i paint long days it's physically much harder on my body that day. Maybe it's a little bit of age catching up with me as well, but I don't count the hours so much. I just really look at what what am I trying to achieve? If the goals change or the deadlines evolve, you know, art art just shows up when when it wants to, I think. But it it is being excited enough about it, I think, to stay focused Mm. on getting back in there because, you know, you can say 20 hours a week, but if you hate doing it, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. And I think in terms of hours as well, do you have those hours because if you had more time available, you would do more? Or is that actually what you found is good for your, Mm -hmm. like you're saying, your energy and your creative flow state? And again, it's varied. Some people can say, I'll do two five-hour sessions and it's a full day. And others, like myself, I feel like I do best little bit more often Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I couldn't do two full days but I might go in and do an hour and a half or two hours on a Sunday and it just makes my whole week flow more nicely because I feel like I'm doing a little bit throughout the week and not putting pressure on myself then I'd rather not have a rule that I don't work on Sundays because that works for me totally yeah I've given up all the rules of when I work I definitely find for me 
I, when I was younger, I'd work nights, especially when I was going to, for my BFA. But I I don't enjoy colors at night anymore, so I don't mm. do the night work. But if I think, oh, I could go out there for an hour and maybe just do a couple things, I definitely like to sneak. I call it sneaking time. Somehow it feels better, doesn't it? Does. It does. It's say, like when you feel I could do this one little thing, and the next minute you're sucked in, yes. and you're just because you're just purely enjoying it, yes. not because oh, it's the schedule time. Exactly. I have to go and do this now. Yeah. The other thing that I've seen through teaching other artists is that people feel like if they look at inspiration and do what I consider prep work, that that doesn't count as valuable Mm -hmm. time. They're like, oh, if I collect images and I put them on a board, it doesn't count. Like says who? Yeah. It's it's all part of the process. So that's why I don't count any hours anymore because I'd probably be clocking in a lot more if I really looked at how long I look at my paintings when they're sitting in my house, how long I'm looking at some inspiration that I've seen, or maybe I'm looking at a a painter that I admire. Like, really, can you clock up all that stuff where you're absorbing and observing? Now we're getting into a topic that I also find really fascinating because I um, read a book recently called 4,000 Weeks. All this talk about wasting time, counting time, like how many hours a week, what counts as work hours and what counts as studio time and what's wasted time. And it's all very measurement oriented as as though we can take our lives and somehow separate it up into these little segments which is what this book's talking about 4,000 weeks it's how many weeks you get if I think you live to uh, 70 something Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily an optimistic number fascinating book though I'll put a link in the show notes so one of the things he talks about is how we have been very much trained and we now live in a culture that has that mindset of measuring Mm -hmm. and and counting out and quantifying these things but it's not necessarily the best way and it's not the only way to live your life I mean you said I don't really like to track studio hours whereas in the productivity world we're made to think we need to track we need to be able to quantify this amount of time and that somehow that is a measure of how successful or what whether we're being a good working person and so what he says in this book he talks about how you know we all have these limited lives and that perhaps what the rise of productivity is about is in some ways trying to feel like we're in control Mm. of all of that as a way to kind of avoid the reality of our (laughs) of our own mortality sorry to get a little deep but this is fascinating I'm going to read from the book here he says one way of understanding capitalism in fact is as a giant machine for instrumentalizing everything like human resources in service of future profit. They end up treating their lives in the present moment as nothing but a vehicle in which to travel towards a future state of happiness. Mm. The example that he gives in terms of that word instrumentalizing is think about lawyers. I worked in the legal industry for a while and lawyers are all about billable hours. Mm. And there's a huge amount of pressure because there are standards that they set in law firms about what percentage of time has to be billable. Yes, and design world has the same, yeah, billable hours, billable hours. All the time you're thinking, 
what am I billing this to? Like this 15 minute segment, this 15 minute segment. I've got to go to the toilet. I've got to keep yeah. that under 15 minutes because I can't bill that to it. That yeah. is an extreme example, but I think that's how we're encouraged and that's what we can buy into mm-hmm. thinking, oh, I'm spending 15 minutes on this sketchbook. Can I bill that? Is that is billable, that billable? As, as yeah. good time? Yeah. Can I bill the time I'm sitting on the couch looking at my painting from a distance? You can definitely take notice. And again, I don't want to derail this conversation, but you can definitely take notice of how long it takes you to do kinds of paintings and, and what those costs are involved, especially if you're selling paintings and how to make those profitable. But I think that, no, I do not count billable hours when I'm painting so much because Um, I go back to what he just said in that quote. If your life isn't meaningful in that moment, in that day, Mm -hmm. then you have a bunch of stuff that you don't really want. You know what I mean? It just goes back to my core value of why I started painting in the first place. So that's why I always try to enjoy the process because that's what I'm there for. I'm there for that moment, you know, and when Mm -hmm. that moment feels pressured or that moment feels like I'm not that into it or I'm not connected to it, then I'm not getting that satisfaction from it that I was looking for. And no amount of time blocking or juggling schedules or having certain hours or life hacks and productivity hacks fixes that underlying issue there and the, the underlying desire to be enjoying what you're doing. Yes. Sometimes I've seen people not have goals in the sense of, Sometimes people feel like they're in the studio and they don't have a purpose. Like, what am I going to get from this? Which is a whole separate topic. But I think that if we can have small goals, manageable things that we can put, but that doesn't mean those are hard goals as in you can't move them. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. what I've discovered in my own life is that if you say, hey, Instagram, this is coming, you can actually move those goals and no one dies. No one, you know, (laughs) like they don't even remember half the time. And the people who really care about your work, they're still there when you're ready. And that's something that's exciting because I think it just goes to show that, you know, if you make work that you really love and people want it, they're going to wait for it. Yeah. If you show up as a human being, they're going to expect that as a human being, being real. Yeah, you're being, yeah. <laughs> life, life happens. Yeah, we definitely need to do, I think, another episode about goals because I have a lot of thoughts about that as well and how we make them work for the individual. I mentioned before that for myself, I have noticed this really contrary personality where sometimes I can really resist mm-hmm. schedules and structure. And yet at other times when I was putting together a first collection I reached a point of where I was exploring and and playing in the studio where I was like I really want to put a number of works together and go this is a a tangible representation of the work that I've put in and and where I am in my career (laughs) in my path so far and I could really feel in my body how good that would feel Mm -hmm. to, to, to have that kind of touchstone or like a a way marker for myself so having had that I was able to really break it and say you know what would feel good is to have 12 of these as a a collection and so I got really structured with it Mm -hmm. index cards on my wall and I was able to say yes I'm working on this one and that one and somehow that was easy to be excited about and I was excited to get to the steering in the morning and go okay how how much further along am I going to be able to um 
progress this work and not in a when will it be finished that's interesting I did have a a broad idea of when I'd like to do it by but it wasn't a tight deadline Mm -hmm. there was a curiosity about where's this one going to end up so we need to talk about that a lot more I think Mm -hmm. but the idea being that there are as we've said different situations and variations in the way you can set up goals and set up visions of what you want that the difference between something that feels like you have to meet it or you're failing or it's something that is this really engaging exciting vision that you want to get the chance Mm -hmm. like you're excited to get the chance to bring to fruition totally the the main thing is really staying focused to the excitement and how you can guide your mind into the excitement and not the pressure of it that's pretty much that just says it all staying in excitement mode somehow is really the key for me to show up on a regular basis the best life hack there you go michelle and next life hack be excited about life (laughs) seems simple thanks for joining us today The wonderful thing about being creative humans is that we are all so different. We'd love to hear more about what works for you in building a regular and satisfying studio practice, whether it looks more structured or spontaneous or a bit of both. Come and tell us on Instagram at unearthingart. And as always, if you're looking for more about the show or anything we've mentioned, you'll find all of that at unearthingart.com. If you've enjoyed our conversation so far, We'd really appreciate you giving us a rating and review on the Apple Podcasts app to help share the love. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time. Mm